What is up, Phoenix family? I'm Ross Cessna, your effervescent and omnipresent host. We're about to go on an esoteric and occult odyssey. This isn't the designer spirituality that is polluting pop culture. It's your opportunity to explore age-old wisdom in the raw. With no further delay, I present to you the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We have the lovely Stephanie Caponi with us tonight. Stephanie, what is up? Hey, Ross. How are you doing? I'm doing relatively well, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good as well. I'm excited to talk about judgment tonight. Yeah, it's a very interesting card. Um, I I wrote on it recently for my website, and I I really have a a different perspective of it after studying it a little bit more thoroughly. Oh, I'm excited to hear what you think. So you want to, you want to start this off? Um, no, let me ask you this. What's the astrology associated with it? Let's start with that. Maybe that's why it's one of my favorite cards because it's actually associated with the planet Pluto. Hmm. Okay. And what is that one about exactly? Uh, Pluto is, well, Pluto rules Scorpio. And uh, Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth and transformation. Hmm. So if judgment is about kind of like an awakening, resurrection, reincarnation, redemption, it's pretty in line with Pluto, I would say. Very, very cool. Yeah, I like that. And then understanding that and then looking at the numerology of it kind of makes sense as well. Where you have the zero, which I know in numerology you add the numbers together to reduce it, but you have the zero for the fool, which is obviously that new beginning, this open-mindedness, this fresh perspective. Then you have the two of the high priestess, which is kind of this like passive intuition. So together it's kind of like this uh, psychic cleanse, which... I feel like you did a really good job representing on your card um, just because of you kind of have that very clearly stated as I hold up your card to you again. <laughs> I don't know if you saw your artwork that you did on this card that you made. <laughs> um, it's, it's cool to see you holding my artwork. So I like it. Yeah. On, on a, like a quick uh, tangent, I saw somebody else using your uh, stuff in a Facebook group as well on top of the one that I sent you on Instagram. So so cool yeah right i thought it was really neat to see it just kind of circulating like off in the wild like that it's it's very humbling and i'm it's never lost on me it's really pretty much the coolest most thing to see people with my artwork yeah i'm super proud of you it's super cool to see like like i know the person that made that thank you i'm like riding on your coattails over it Hardly. <laughs> um, so what kind of, how do you feel about the numerology of this card? Let me ask you that. I think that you just described it perfectly. Oh, wow. Well, shit, I don't know what else to ask you then. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, were you serious or were you about to ask me something anyway? I was going to ask you something else, just not about the numerology. But say what oh, you were going to say. No, no. Tell what were you what were you segueing into? Uh, I was just going to say, explain your card, because I, I kind of like the clarity, how it's just the, the floating head with, like, the illuminated third eye. But, like, what does all of the artwork mean to you specifically on this? Well, you know, I think about this... Um, the whole kind of having a spiritual awakening is really what this card means to me. And I I drew this deck when I was going through mine and I had really no idea what to expect. I just knew that everything from the past I, I was like being liberated from. And there's a lot of surrender in that. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, I felt completely detached from the physical realm. Like, for a, for a long time, I, I couldn't eat. I think I lost, like, 25 pounds when this happened. Um, 
I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't talk to people. I just, I literally felt like my head was completely detached from my body. Hmm. I can dig it. But I felt like I was seeing and like downloading so much information so heavily that I felt more awake than ever and aware of things. I don't know. It was, Hmm. I guess, just trying to encapsulate like how intense that time was. Kind of explain like an inexplicable situation that unless you live through it yourself, you can't really like other people might not be able to relate to it directly. Right. Uh, Let me ask you this, because I'm curious, since we're on the topic of your kind of spiritual awakening, was there like a little bit of both shades of of everything in it, kind of like this really dark experience and also the really love and light aspect of it? Because it seems like uh, on Facebook groups or when you talk to people, a lot of people only talk about how the upbeat, happy part of the spiritual awakening. And for me, there is some really, really unpleasant undertones and some scary shit going on in it for me, like scary... uh, awarenesses I guess I would say that um, during this time I didn't I saw maybe small flashes of light but it was like 98% dark Mm -hmm. it was really awful yeah I think that's probably the truest perspective of because like a spiritual awakening for me it's trying open your eyes where you look at reality in a very real way and for most of us i think that we shut ourselves off from reality from the various choices that we make so when we do open our eyes we have this huge fucking mess to look at um and that's why it's interesting that you associate this card with kind of the spiritual awakening because this card in my understanding is all about kind of absolving yourself from your past looking at what you've lived through and having this deep level of self-acceptance to it in Mm -hmm. order to move forward um and filtering this through my own uh spiritual awakening and then also through the step work that i've done as a result of the 12-step program i'm in like all of that 12-step process is literally about inventorying all the stuff that you've done so you can have this level of clarity so when you look at reality you're not in this distorted um doom and gloom thing but you've actually taken up and kind of squeegeed all of the uh, muck off of your third eye <laughs> i guess so you can see life from a different perspective um it, it's just an interesting card like where i'm at right now in the steps is i'm on my second tenth step where i'm just like maintaining this daily inventory and for me as a result of how do i want to say this as a result of kind of clean, cleaning that muck away the tenth step is like this constant uh, absolving myself of the day by looking at what I've done and if I fucked up like going and writing it right away so I can um not have to carry that wrong into the next day so it's constantly kind of being vigilant to maintain this level of awareness of this spiritual awakening does that make sense it does it does I think um one of the things I love so much about this card is that there's no one specific answer because mm-hmm. it's one of those, it's a very psychological card where it's going to bring up something that only resonates with each individual. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes up, it's, it's, it's coming up to have that dialogue. And mm-hmm. I find that, um, especially when I do work with people who aren't very spiritual and maybe don't think about these things. And you're like, um, when they see this card, the word judgment brings up a lot of emotions and a lot of questions. So I try to look at the meaning of this card based on not only the other cards that are around it, um, but who, who's sitting in front of me? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when I, um, when I do work with this card with other people, the first level of judgment that I, I call attention to is that um, what, is, what, what is judgment? We're constantly 
judging things. We're judging ourselves based on like comparing ourselves. And also most people think that other people are judging them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like this card is really about when I read for other people um, is to talk about their fears of things that they've done in the past and where they're at right now and how they how they think that other people are judging them and trying to, I guess, help people see that any perceived judgment is just a mirror of the ways that they're judging themselves. Mm-hmm. I definitely, so, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Um, and then just to like double back to the, to the Pluto um, thing is that, um, this card is, is a lot when, when you real, when you get to that place where you realize, and that is an awakening in itself that nobody's judging you. It's just your own projection of how you're judging yourself. That's how you take back your power. And Pluto's hmm. a planet of power. Hmm. So like one of the aspects of this card too, is it has like that Phoenix energy of that kind of, uh, I would say somewhat painful rebirthing process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very kind of violent and then also quick too, because once you kind of make that transition that you're talking about and realizing that nobody's really judging you, um, that it's all relative to yourself, that shifts the whole perspective of the world. Like, um, I know for me, when I really sat down and looked at it and understood that so much of the anxiety and guilt and stuff like that, that I carried around and thought that people were perceiving me that way was relative to my own actions, thoughts, and um, things that I hadn't made peace with. And then understanding that I can free up a lot of those emotions by just living differently and making different choices. Um, That was a very, very revelatory experience overall. Um, So yeah, I relate to that on a deep level. I think one of the things that's interesting about this card too is the reverse aspect of it is kind of um, judging yourself too harshly and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken, um, being kind of a dick to yourself. (laughs) And then there's also this aspect of not letting yourself move forward. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, exactly. Being held back. Mm -hmm. Um, there was something else I was going to ask, but I can't think of it. I guess I'm going to go to the uh, Ryder Smith weight deck real quick because I have this card out here and I'm curious about what your perception of this artwork is overall. So how do you feel about kind of the glacier in the background and the little green space in front of all the dead people that are rising up from their graves? Oh, see, you always pick up on these very subtle things. Um, I studied, like I said, I was studying on this card, so it's not necessarily my. (laughs) Honestly, I never considered the green space. I guess I never considered the glacier either. I was focusing more on people coming back from the dead. And even though they're dead, (laughs) they're happy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like, um, oh, how do I even put this? I guess you're when you're living not in alignment with yourself and you're living for other people, like that could be, that's when we, we spend a lot of time like focusing on the external stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Before we're, we wake up, you know, we think that in order to be better, we need to take more action buy more things, um, look everywhere for the answers except inside. And then, you know, you kind of go through this death and rebirth process. And so I see those figures and they look so joyful and they're naked. So they have no material possessions. They're not, they don't care what they look like. They're like, well, we're, you know, Hmm. we're not like in our most like healthy like body state of I 
I guess like the thing that comes to me is like, I guess for, for being a woman, it's like, I look at that not as like being dead, but I look at that as like not having your, your war paint on. Hmm. You know, it's like freedom, freedom to be yourself as you are. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that they're dead bodies. They're just, they're not covered in the shit that we all cover ourselves up with to look more palatable, if that makes Hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just in a natural state. Yeah. And they're very joyful and they can hear, they're like, they can hear the trumpet. They can hear this angel that's like communicating with them. Just like when you're, if you're a spiritual person and you've opened up to your gifts, you can, you, you know, a lot of people are clairaudient and clairsentient and clairvoyant and claircognizant. All the clairs. All the clairs. Yeah, it's an interesting card. There's so many different layers of imagery in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would see the dead the glacier. My my opinion of it's tainted from what I read on it, but <laughs> so, <laughs> the thing that I read on it though pretty much said that it's a good symbol of kind of patience, this coldness of shutting yourself off, and then the green space is kind of um, as a result of this patience, letting it kind of melt in this new fertile ground for things to spring forth from it, which I thought was pretty insightful because I had never really recognized that it was a, a glacier or the green space either. I always focus on the dead people, and I always kind of view this card overall as somewhat negative or like harsh until I studied it maybe more thoroughly about a, a year and a half ago or two years ago. But then when I studied it again this time, I found out how much more peace there was in the cards. Cause it's one of those things. Every time I study this stuff, there is this whole different deeper layer of meaning and the imagery gets so much deeper. Um, it was just really interesting to kind of look at all of, all of what was packed in the original. Uh, but yeah. I, I like your interpretation as well, just because it's less, but it says the same thing in a different way. Um, I, like I guess, thank you. Yeah, I guess on the Rider Waite Smith, the thing that stuck out for me was the reductive quality of having the figures and their, how enthusiastic they seemed in their having less. And that's mm-hmm. kind of just personally how the process felt to me. I mean, everybody now knows, like, I had a lot of stuff, but I had nothing inside. And then realizing everything inside and hmm. not needing all the stuff. So I, I wanted, I guess, I can't say I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted when I made these cards. I don't remember drawing these cards. Um, but after seeing the finished product, I, I can see that it, it was definitely just about feeling liberated from the material world because there's no body attached. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you have a very peaceful look on yourself, on your face, on that, on that card overall. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much more to say on judgment. What else do you think is like some key points we should hit on that we haven't talked about? Um, that's a good question. I was thinking um, about asking you if um, if you were to embody judgment. Have you ever done that where you um, like try on a tarot card to kind of like step into it? We've talked about like looking into the artwork and stepping into it that way, but I don't think we've ever talked about like embodying the cards ourselves personally. Um, so I would say not, not that I'm maybe not in the way that you're talking about. No, I'll say that I haven't done that. I feel like um, I did that. Um, I did like the six month intense tarot study when I moved to Brooklyn and um, on our first day everybody drew um, a card as a group um, to see like what the theme of our that six month journey was going to be and, and judgment was my card so I felt like 
I had six months of like living in this card, like heavily. Hmm. So I'm curious if anybody listening, maybe what their experience and how they, I guess how they experience this card, if they experience it on a spiritual level, on a more mundane level, and how it kind of flows back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess for me, like, again, talking about the whole kind of aspect of recovery and how I kind of viewed myself overall, um, at the, let's say at the beginning of the process of um, admitting my, my powerlessness and surrendering to the fact that, like, I can't get high anymore because I'll fucking ruin my life um, versus where I'm at now with it, with all these other diagnoses on top of everything. Ironically, uh, I was at a meeting right before we started recording, which is why I couldn't start recording earlier. And the topic was self-acceptance. Um, so, so it really is parallel to kind of what this card is about in a big way. And then understanding that the level of self-acceptance that I have now, um, it, it's, how do I want to put this? Self-acceptance isn't all peaches and cream like people make it either, just like this card necessarily isn't, in the sense that when we really accept ourselves, there's a lot of maybe unpleasant bits that we still have to accept and say it's okay to be there. Like for me, uh, I'll share really quick what I talked about at the meeting that I went to, like, it's difficult for me to have to accept the fact that social social stuff is not um, my strong suit. And despite everything else that I've done, like it's very difficult for me to build friendships and, and like looking at it, I've only ever had two friends that like I didn't meet through active addiction in some fucked up way <laughs> mm. or like, or romantically understanding that I've never had a relationship, like a romantic relationship that was founded off of anything beyond like substance abuse. Um, so looking at that, but then also understanding that it's okay because I didn't have all of the knowledge or skill set to like navigate these situations. Um, and then like with the business feeling like I should be further along, I should do this, I should do that. But then also having the self acceptance and not beating myself up due to the fact that like, um, I've had this condition which limits my ability to network like other people. And there's all sorts of other cognitive limits that I have, uh, despite my brain working differently in other areas for, for my better. Um, but really kind of accepting all of that stuff and then seeing that the role that some of these other things have played in my life has freed me up to where I don't judge myself so harshly. And I've kind of absolved myself of a lot of the difficult aspects uh, of my own personal journey and understanding that given, given the fact that I have this disability, which impacts my ability to socialize and, and make friendships or even like understand what's socially acceptable at certain times, coupled with the fact that I have like severe mental and emotional disorders. And then I threw drugs on top of it. Like my life was pretty fucked up. Um, and all things considered, I'm in a pretty good space now feel good about myself. Like I've dug myself out of a hole in three years that most people wouldn't. So there definitely is a whole new life to that. And it's funny that like, this is the last thing I'll say and we can move on. Like looking at the podcast that I created like almost three years ago, spiritual Phoenix and this whole concept of this personal evolution and kind of this personal, um, clearing off of the debris of my life, doing all of that, and then looking at where it's at now coming up on like, this is the second to the last episode, looking at it and seeing how much, um, how much peace I've gotten with myself and how like I've kind of fulfilled that mission to where I can let all of this pass and move on to the next thing and feel good about it. Uh, it's kind of a trip overall. And that's a cute kitty, by the way. Thanks. He says <laughs> hi. What's his um name? That's Onyx. Um, I think that's really amazing. Um, and thank you for, for sharing that because like, that's definitely a judgment moment where a lot of us don't want to admit those things and you're not alone, my friend. I realized through this process that, um, until I did that like six month intense course, um, 
and I met friends that were going through something similar and actively working on bettering themselves and doing like very deep self inquiry through the lens of tarot and sharing their stories and talking through their pain. And I mean, it was like, like I said, it was like, it was like spiritual witch camp group therapy and it literally (laughs) changed my life. And it was in that group that I met my, like my core friends and I had never had friends that were like, that, that didn't basically, that weren't mirrors of my own shit. Like I was not good at making friends. I didn't know how to be a good friend. I definitely had very, very unhealthy friendships, like relationships I was much better in, but friendships, no, it wasn't, it wasn't until like three years ago that I learned how to make friends properly Hmm. in a healthy way that was supportive of me. That's and one of the things. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just no. rambling now. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, it's okay. <laughs> the thing I was going to say about like the friends thing is interesting. The literature that I was reading tonight at the uh, meeting I was at, it kind of says that you can't really even form deep friendships or meaningful friendships with anybody until you have a real level of, of self acceptance. And it's it's interesting for me because the level of self acceptance I have now, like. I've actually learned that I'm okay with not having people in my life at this time. Like I want people in my life, but after kind of being alone um, and feeling alone for like 35, I'll be 36 in February, like being alone for most of my life or feeling alone, it's difficult to let people in, in a real way, Um, like in a sustained way, because people make it more difficult for me to actually live in some capacity, which is like a lot of people won't understand that, but it, it, how do I want to put this? Because I perceive reality, there's a cognitive difference in how I I respond to things. It can be difficult to let people in my life because everybody wants you to relate to them on their level. A lot of people don't try to relate to you on your level. Um, and it can be exhausting. Like there's a, a meme on Facebook where it sp- says something about like, don't spend your life explaining your soul to people or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just where I'm at. And it's like you had said as well. Um, I don't find a lot of people around me that are doing the deep soul work. And it's funny because I'm in a program where the whole concept is doing deep soul work. But I'm like, these motherfuckers still aren't on the same level. <laughs> like, I don't know, dude. I don't want to ramble too much on about it, but it's but I it's think interesting. It is interesting. And I think there's more awareness of it now that um, most of us have been operating on this level where, like you said, people want you to see them the way and perceive them the way that they perceive themselves and see themselves, but they don't know how to meet somebody halfway. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a real, a real delicate balance um, in intimacy, like not like platonic intimacy is something that everybody's been doing. Not everybody that's, I take that back, but many people have been doing in a harmful way. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people are doing this like deep self inquiry and study into like learning themselves so that they're not coming from a place of pain and patterning and how that affects our relationships with ourselves that now we're able to come to a place of being aware of our own limitations and not beating ourselves up and judging ourselves for them. 
And once we kind of go through that process, I think then it becomes safe to call in those relationships, both platonic and romantic, that you can you can actually like let your, you know, let your guard down, be vulnerable, be seen, and have somebody that is empathetic and compassionate enough to say, oh, I'm I'm good. I'm here because I, I just like you and I just want to be around you and be present with you mm-hmm. here and let me tell you about myself so that you can so that you know that these are my limitations and this is how I need to be communicated with and if you can hang then please also tell me how to communicate with you so we can do this like together yeah that's that's so awesome and I know that I have to remind myself those kind of things exist it can be frustrating in a little hick town that I, I kind of live in at times because uh, I feel like I'm in the wrong place, but looking at it from a higher perspective, I'm right where I need to be because this place needs people like me. Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I just wish I got an easier mission, <laughs> um, but it'll all work out how it's supposed to also. Um, one of the things that kind of came up in all of that is, and I'm going to try to pose this as a question to where I'm not like, how do you see this card relating to the previous card, the sun? I think that the sun, it's like that bright light at the end of this dark time. And it's that light of clarity that helps. It almost holds your hand into this like place of self-acceptance. I like that. Yeah. The way I kind of see it, like I like, I really like what you said. My little addition to it would be too, is that you kind of need that little bit of, of sugar before you take the medicine of kind of getting to the judgment of everything and like actually looking at yourself and absolving yourself. It's, it's true. And if you look at just the cards that I drew in my own journey, the, the sun for me, I thought was moving to Brooklyn and leaving Florida and leaving my, my job that I had no boundaries with people. It was so unhealthy and so toxic. And all of the, the friendships there that also were not healthy for me and the relationship that was not healthy for either of us. And, um, you know, I thought moving to Brooklyn was like, and getting my own apartment was like my clarity, my son, this is where I'm supposed to be, la la la. Um, and then, and then I was like, oh, this is just where I'm supposed to be for the next level. Because hmm. now I can go through and like, now I'm away from it. So I can actually step back and process it all. And that's when, that's when I found pain that I had never even knew existed. That's a really interesting thing too. Um, one thing I want to say is Florida is a dumpster fire of a state. No offense to anybody living in Florida. <laughs> and then secondly, uh, it's interesting. You kind of mentioned moving to Brooklyn and then now that you're out of this one situation, you have the ability to kind of process other stuff because for me, I was living in my mom's basement ever since I kind of moved back from uh, California just to kind of get back on my feet. Over the summer, I moved to the apartment that I'm in now. And although I love my mom to death, uh, there was a lot of boundary dissolution in that situation where I couldn't really, I spent a lot of energy just trying to not get in arguments with her or things like that just because our lives are different. That's neither here nor there. Relationships better now. But as a direct result of moving into my own place now, the energy that I spent kind of combating her or dealing with her now that there's nobody else here but me it's kind of that star wars moment where uh, luke skywalker goes down and, and like goes to fight vader in, in this little thing and he finds out that he's vader in like this weird dream sequence and it's like me really understanding that i did have those issues with my mom but there's still this whole undercurrent of other stuff that i wasn't able to work on um in that environment and I think I had told you that how funny it is. My apartment is apartment number nine. So it's the hermit of like looking and doing all of this introspective work. Um, 
and it's funny how that syncs up with where I'm at in my journey and how it relates to this card as well. So, yeah. And that that's wild, but you're absolutely right. You know, we are exactly where we're meant to be. You know, you remember like for six months, I, I had to leave Brooklyn because universe put all sorts of fun challenges in front of me. And, um, my, my boyfriend was kind enough to have me move in with him out on Staten Island. And I was like, I felt like I was in like purgatory, <laughs> like all of this. Um, like I was happy to like move in with him. It was really, really difficult to get anything accomplished mm-hmm. being so far from the city and like, you know, add another hour and 20 minutes onto already long commutes and just everything just was a challenge. And I was really sad for the, that six months, not like in my relationship, cause that was really wonderful, but like just with like business and my community and, and I realize now that like I was exactly where I was meant to be because I was going through some crazy shadow shit and really wrestling with my mind Mm -hmm. and like having a depressive episode for sure. Um, But I had to like, it's like the universe. Like I thought that it was like putting these things in my way to prevent me from doing what I wanted to do. But really it was kind of like taking the pressure of life off my plate so that I had the space to do that. That work, which is kind of the same way I felt in the um, when I moved to Brooklyn and I couldn't get a job right away. I was just going through so much stuff and I couldn't, I couldn't, like I had, I was living on my savings and thank goodness that I had that savings and I was able to live for basically um, almost a year and a half without having to get a job because I couldn't hold a job. Mm -hmm. Why is that just too, too difficult with everything else you had going on? Hmm. You know, I made all those, that tower of leaving everything. And then I walked away thinking like, Oh, as soon as I walk out of that house, as I don't have all that stuff, as soon as I free myself up from all of these physical burdens, then I'll have all this space to create and make friends and get a cool job and live my dream life, blah, blah, blah. But really all of that stuff was holding space. And when I cleared it up, it was like, okay, now you can deal with your dark side. Mm. Mm -hmm. You can deal with 34 years of repressed bullshit it's super funny to see kind of how the universe works overall are you familiar with the uh, term depressive realism no please tell me it's essentially this concept that if if we were to actually look at our lives and the way things are that at certain points being depressed is a logical thing to do because of the overwhelming weight of everything but it's our society has structured it to where it's an illness but i definitely think that at times depression has a practical purpose um i think that everything kind of has it it's it's a reason for being there like depression has actually helped motivate me at times in my life not saying that i like I'm not saying that people should go out and be depressed or that like there isn't clinical depression because i do think that is a thing obviously um but I think a lot of this stuff is a lot different than what we've been conditioned to believe. But I would also add that like, Oh no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I totally, I I definitely agree with you. Um, I think that we're taught that we're taught to chase pleasure and we're taught to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people can't handle feeling down and feeling sad and, and realizing that, that, emotions are like the wheel of fortune. It's, it's always turning mm-hmm. and you have to process things to heal them and make space for other things. And if you're always chasing pleasure and chasing a happy feeling, then 
that compounds the, the negative stuff that's shoved in the back that wasn't dealt with. And then, you know, you're just piling shame on top of it for still having those feelings, even though you shouldn't, we don't feel entitled to our sad feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, like the big issues I have. Like, I, I know I talk shit about the new age all the time, but that's one of the big issues I have with the new age is it's all this love and light. The universe has your best interest at all the times. And I, I'm really coming to the fact with the universe it's kind of neutral about everything. It's really about how you show up to life and what you do. But at the same time, um, positivity can be as toxic as being negative all the time. So you kind of have to find that neutral level within yourself to like show up and then still the universe can still squash you down. Um, And I don't mean that in like a negative way, but looking at things through that real lens actually gives you the the tools to navigate reality in in a more sensible and practical way, I feel like, um, and give you an actually a happier, richer life. At least it has for me. Uh, And I think that that's kind of, I've been reading a book about stoicism. It's like a daily stoic reading. And a lot of that is kind of about looking at what is, you don't don't like stoicism. No, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> but no, like Stoicism is actually a pretty badass philosophy. Like when you look at it, because it's not, it's not as dark and brooding as I might make it seem. And it's not as as dark and brooding as a lot of people perceive it to be, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it is. But it talks about looking at life for face value, but still finding the good in everything, despite the difficulties that might, you might be presented with, not in a sense of like false positivity of, it's all peaches and cream, but this is this tough time is strengthening me. So when other difficulties arise, I can navigate it or I can help other people or it's giving me perspective, um, which I think is a lot healthier than ostriching away from life. I agree with you. And I like what you just said about going through the difficult times and instead of feeling beat down by it, remembering that we can't truly be of service to people in an, in an inauthentic way. Mm-hmm. You know, like look at everything that you've been through and that I've been through. And that, that's like the qualifications to do the work that we do. Absolutely. Like, Somebody like sent me a message on Facebook and was like, can I, can I ask you about your credentials? And I was like, really? (laughs) This bitch. (laughs) But it's like, are there actually still people that think like you need like a certification of some sorts to validate your expertise? I I mean, that's one of the things that's funny. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just, I wanted to say like, I'm a Scorpio moon and with a Pluto rising. That should be, that should give you all the information you need to know, sir. (laughs) And I I think it pissed me off because it was a man and like, I don't typically work with like a ton of men. Mm -hmm. And so when, if somebody's trying to challenge me, then I'm like, I get a little angry. It's like, you clearly don't understand any of this if you think that a certificate, like, first off, who the fuck is giving out tarot certifications or astrology certifications that are based upon anything but making money? (laughs) And then secondly, it's not like, I mean, even college is actually a, a scam if you look at, no offense to anybody that's going to college, but really, you can learn the same education and have a lot more practical understanding of how to think rather than what to think just by self Uh, by being an autodidact or self-taught so being an autodidact is actually more to me that would be a a more um what sort of desirable trait because then it's all self-navigated and you're taking a lot huger risk than investing money for some piece of paper that gives you some false sense of accomplishment well and it's it's really it's saying that you know what's more important and what's a better um 
I guess it's, it's just, it's people are uncomfortable with things that are non-traditional and traditionally when we want to study a subject, we go to a school for it or we take classes for it. And then we get, you know, we get a degree, we get a certification and then that is our validation. Mm -hmm. But that's saying that, that there's so many different ways that people learn and if anything, we're t- I think we're trying to teach the next generation that it's okay to not fit into a tiny box. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my understanding, too, even like large tech companies now are hiring people based upon their knowledge of skills and like what they could actually do versus having these on paper credentials. And I think that's actually intimidating to a lot of people that have gone the more traditional route and understanding that. So first off, people can now get hired um, just by showing that they understand these skills without paying for this degree and without taking these years of formal schooling. Like that's destabilizing to a lot of people that have banked upon having this education. And then secondly, for people that are in these established careers where they have the comfort of a traditional um, paycheck and all of this, that finding people that are self-taught that have also structured their own business because they've had the ability to build it up for themselves. That's fucking intimidating to most people to say, look at how empowered these people are. So it's pretty easy. Like on, I don't even know that it's a conscious level, but on a subconscious level to say, how legit is this person? Let me versus actually trying them out and seeing what their information says and what they can actually do. It's easy to be dismissive, I guess is the point. And that actually goes back to judgment. That's like the reverse side of judgment for them. Exactly. That's why I love, I love these conversations because, you know, you and I, we can only talk about the technical aspects of each card for so long. And then it's like, you have to apply it, which Mm -hmm. goes back into school, traditional schooling and what you can learn in a textbook versus getting in there and embodying and having life experience and talking through um, symbolism Mm -hmm. into finding meaning and finding value. Yeah, I I, I think that's a a good way to kind of end the topic of judgment overall. I don't know that we could put a prettier bow on it than that. Wow, that was beautiful. Um, thank you for that whole conversation. That was, that was epic. One thing I do want to say though, and and I don't want to spoil too much about the world, but you know, we'll save it for the world conversation. Actually, we'll save it for that. So quick recap of this, the astrological sign is Pluto. Pluto is relative to what again? Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth transformation and it rules Scorpio. Okay, so it's that kind of dark energy, but like maybe like a dark phoenix or <laughs> something like that. I think the the greatest thing about Pluto and Scorpio and judgment is embracing the darkness. Okay. And realizing and making peace with the fact that there can there can't be light without dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both. Uh operate on the same spectrum they're both pieces of the same spectrum yeah two sides of the same coin um numerology for it we had said that two and zero zeros open-mindedness and kind of new beginning aspect of the fool two is the uh passive intuition um and kind of knowing aspect of things so it's about clearing that third eye and getting a different perspective on everything Mm -hmm. and then judgment right side up overall meaning was just kind of um getting good with yourself and seeing yourself as you truly are making peace with your past so you can move forward yeah redemption liberation reincarnation resurrection awakening those are all those are really really powerful words one of the things that we didn't talk about and i'm just going to do this super quick is kind of how these stack up with their meanings more and more Um, And in this one, let me ask you this question, rather. Do you think that 20 and 21 have even like a whole different layer of power to them than 10 through 19 and then the uh, 1 through 9? Absolutely. 
Okay. Um, and then the real quick, the reversal of it too, would just be kind of, uh, not seeing yourself in a positive light, kind of holding a lot of that negativity, not being able to move forward, being kind of stuck and stagnant. Anything else you would add to that? Yeah, no, those were wonderful. I would just say if, if, if judgment right side up is our awakening and our liberation, then reverse, that would be in very low, that would be like an attachment to the low vibrational energy. That's like rock bottom. It's just, it's, I think it's seeing your own low vibe energy and like, I see you, I'm aware of you. I know that I can change you and not changing it. Oh, okay. That's like, yeah, knowing your bullshit, but saying, fuck it. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Some days I do that. I, I used <laughs> to do it a lot more. I, now, I think we all did a lot more. It gets better, but I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to say that I'm like always, always this zen about all of the things. <laughs> I can respect that. Me either, for sure. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. We will do the world um, next week, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Stephanie, you want to take us out with your words of wisdom? I think I've given you quite enough words of wisdom. <laughs> well, fine. I'm going to be judging you later. <laughs> That's fine. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. If you've got a question you want answered, a topic you'd like discussed, or a guest you want to hear, check out the form in the show notes. Follow our social media for other great content.